Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's just such an opposing bat in the lineup every single year. And then his trade is oddly like the turning point for the franchise when they traded him away. Get some Jose Bautista energies. They should get some booster juice. There you go. Best with with the Bautista like um, cut out. The three massively successful good things that this front office has done without talking about any of those. Tell me why everything is bad. And welcome to episode number 253 of Artificial Turf Wars. We're recording for you, the fans, because there is a tradition of us recording things and immediately having them be out of date and the Blue Jays haven't done anything. Well, we're going to do our best to change that right now. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined today by the indomitable Joshua Housem. How's it going? It is going slow in the world of the hot stove, the, the tepid stove, as it were. But we still have things to talk about. We're going to talk about um, the winter meetings, of course, now that those have wrapped up. That's why we scheduled this for today. Um and we're going to talk about uh, the guys that they didn't get and were we were at least thinking they might have been in on. Uh, they did hire a bench coach, which is usually not you know a huge thing, except they hired probably the biggest bench coach name I, I think I've ever heard for the Blue Jays, Don Mattingly. Um, also, Manoa was elected to uh, the first team MLB as a starting pitcher. Fred McGriff got his way through the back door into the Hall of Fame. We have your questions. And then we have a do-over for... Stop me if you've heard this one. 
the baseballs and their their makeup specifically in regards to Yankee games. But never mind that right now. Right now, we should start with all the things the Blue Jays have managed to do in the first month of their offseason. How, how, how's it feeling? Well, they made a trade that was very poorly received by the fan base. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, is the podcast over or should we yeah, just... I we're... Well, yeah. I don't know if that's going to get us to the being out of date thing. So we should we should make it... some definitive statements about, about the state of the franchise. It didn't help that before the meetings start, Ross Atkins comes out and says, this is going to be one of the most active meetings, I think, you know, since I've been a general manager. And it was. <laughs> there, some huge names were signing gigantic contracts. Trey Turner got $300 million. Aaron Judge got $360 million. The 34-year-old perpetually injured Jacob deGrom got $185 million. And the Jays didn't do anything. And we'll get into what that actually means later on, but from a from an optics standpoint, to prime the fans for this level of excitement and then watch that excitement exist only for your divisional and league rivals, it does make it a little tougher. I, I would say that in terms of building a baseball club, that the uh, Shapiro-Atkins duo has actually done a pretty good job of hanging on to valuable things and getting rid of you know things that are not and paying uh you know when necessary to get parts that they've needed and we'll get into that with questions later but while they were doing that in the lulls between the quote-unquote right moves man do they have a way of just just sucking the air out of the room over and over again you know it's funny Ross Atkins, as the general manager, is the face of the front office, logically. But whenever he speaks, (laughs) you get the sense that nothing is happening just because of how cagey he is and how he has a habit of talking for 10 minutes and saying absolutely nothing. And then Mark Shapiro will come out, and he's unbelievably candid. It's funny how opposite their approaches are. (laughs) He, he came out in the media, this was during the meetings because he was down there, and he was talking about payroll and the, the financial situation of the Blue Jays because it's obviously something that people care about. They're trying to figure out what the team will eventually do, so they want to know how much they have to do it. And, of course, he's not going to say exactly how much they have, but he said that they can go past the competitive balance tax, which a year ago he said that they probably were not going to be able to do that, and that was when the tax was $30 million lower. So the he is able to at least communicate something that will help the fans understand what's happening. There's going to be an increase in the budget that's been higher than anything they've ever had. They're going to be playing in the actual big boy range. Maybe they can, whether they will or not, it depends who they get. But then Atkins comes out and talks again. And it's, Oh, it's, Oh, well, we have a very good understanding of our opportunities and we are not quite the say yes phase, but we could be soon. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> Uh, it means I don't have a signing to report, but you keep calling me in for these press press availabilities. <laughs> That's what it means. And I, f- I find it very funny that after the the, the draft, the Rule 5 draft, which we, gave, we got questions about, so we're not going to touch on it right now. They sent Joe Sheehan out to talk to the media because nothing had happened. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes the lieutenant's got to take the hit, right? 
Yeah, I mean, spread the spread the wealth or the blame, whichever is most appropriate at the time. Um, the, I mean, the big talk here uh, is is a lot of pitching moved. I think is is the first order of business for generally more than was expected. Is that absolutely? Yeah, you see Taiwan Walker getting seventy two million over four years. This is a guy that a couple of years ago struggled to get a two-year deal, and he hasn't pitched much better than he did prior. He has shown health, but still, that's a huge increase. Jameson Tyone got the same kind of contract. So yeah, the pitching market has gone very, very high. And then the Jays, apparently the guys that they, they actually placed offers on, they were right there with them. Uh, they lost it on Justin Verlander while they were never going to get Verlander because the Mets were not going to lose that bidding. But they were the same bid for Kyle Gibson, who chose the Orioles. And thank God, I do not want Kyle Gibson. <laughs> and they apparently offered a higher guarantee to Andrew Haney than the Rangers gave him. Now, that doesn't tell us what they act because the Rangers deal, it's. It, he got two years, $25 million, but incentives that could take it to 40 So a higher guarantee might not mean a better contract. But the, the, basically, the, the guys that actually went cheap and for short term, that's the ones the Jays were in on, and they missed. So I'm sure that caused a bit of an issue for them in terms of how they're projecting their the rest of their offseason. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I think the, the sort of acknowledgement from the fans or the lack of acknowledgement from the fans that it is possible to simply not be the choice in some cases um when a guy you know picks a or b um for whatever reason and that that isn't a massive failing on the part of the franchise is is unfortunate because it's yeah. not like they don't have money to throw around it's like we've heard the tightening the purse strings uh, speech right in years past in sure. previous decades this is not that speech this is just like we, we don't we haven't got the 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 uh the yeses yet it's not like we're 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 standing aside until until just the dregs are left yeah i think that the fan base got a little spoiled the last few years because nobody said no <laughs> at least that we we're aware of they they wanted springer they got springer they wanted Semyon. They got Semyon. They wanted Gaussman. They got Gaussman. And those were the ones that publicly they identified as targets. And they got them all. So I think fans sort of forgot that, yeah, there's 29 other teams offering money to these guys. And they get to pick where they want to live. And oftentimes, they're not going to pick Toronto. Not just, you know, if they can stay in Texas with no state income tax or come here, they might choose Texas. And that's fine. But as long as eventually you get someone, it doesn't really matter. I just think that from a fan perspective, it's like they wanted guys and not getting them. Oh, God's guys falling sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I understand that. I mean, I, I don't agree with it, but I understand it because you see everyone else getting these players, except the Padres, apparently, <laughs> who are throwing huge contracts at people and they don't want them. Why wouldn't you want to live in San Diego? That's another question. But it just happens. This is how the baseball offseason works. And the Jays have never done anything at the winter meetings under Atkins. Right. But not to say they haven't ever done anything. Um, the one, I guess, that was... Uh, other was... than Tanner Rourke. Do we want to repeat that? Nope. Uh, thanks for asking, though. <laughs> um, 
the the Cody Bellinger um, signing with was it the Giants? Cubs. Cubs. Sorry, um, that one was the one that I heard the most among you know various fan bases, and that one was I don't know kind of weird because this idea that he wanted a short term deal at twenty million dollars when he was a non tender or, or a sorry no qualifying offer at eighteen and a half non tender. So he was a non-tender. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, he ended up getting seventeen and a half million. So, uh, uh, actually, so I, I was commenting on this. I, 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 there's actually a bit of a history of this where these guys get non-tendered and then get more than they would have gotten in arbitration in free agency. It happened with Kyle Schwarber. It happened with uh, Brad Hand. Uh, there was there's a couple of guys, but it's always within the range. In this case, he actually got a bit less, so it actually did make sense. So, what does this mean for the Blue Jays in terms of what they've missed out on here? Well, I don't honestly know. I mean, so I heard you guys talk about it on the last episode. Nick was very much in favor of getting Bellinger. Nick is in favor of a lot of things. <laughs> very funny. <laughs> he, he he is. That's that's a good a good summation of the way Nick approaches some of this. But there's a lot of downside risk with Bellinger, which wasn't completely acknowledged on the last episode. The, like the downside of Bellinger is that you give seventeen and a half million to a guy. He's just as bad next year as he was last year, and you don't have enough money for a backup so i think he would have been an interesting fit he's a good defensive center fielder he bats left and obviously the upside is an mvp because he won one a few years ago but it's not a big problem there's the, the issue is just there's not a lot of center fielders on the free agent market brandon nimmo is the star if they get him who cares about what happened to cody bellinger and that seems like a position there's more trade candidates for than there were than there are for say starting pitching, which is a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing from the center field standpoint, not so much the starting pitching <laughs> yeah. one. Um, so what? Because the Jays haven't done anything, I think we're we're still in the same spot we were when um, Nick and I talked. Right, still the same needs. Just a shorter list of possibilities. Well, I mean, maybe a longer list of trade possibilities. No, that's probably shorter too, just because some teams have signed guys that they could have made a trade. Like, for example, the Cardinals signed Wilson Contreras, so they're not going to trade for a Blue Jays catcher. But the interesting thing about it is that I think that what has happened has actually changed what the Jays need in a sense especially if Bogarts ends up going back to Boston as apparently talks were heated up, whatever that means, then the, the Red Sox are pushing in. They got Kenley Jansen. They got Chris Martin, not the Coldplay singer. And they made the big move signing Masataka Yoshida, who is one of the best hitters in the history of Japan, Japanese baseball. They, that happened just before we started recording. If your opponents are better, so the, like the Rangers are better, the Angels are better, the Mariners are not much better yet, but they're probably going to be. And if the Yankees, who brought back Aaron Judge, end up getting Carlos Rodon, as people seem to think they will, again, if, the ceiling, that the, the floor that the Jays need to reach is higher than it was. So just bringing back Ross Stripling and running it back through the rotation, it's not enough. If you do that, you have to really upgrade elsewhere. So I think that, oddly, what they're seeing and what moves have been made can actually clarify what they need to do. Which is, the, I guess, the one advantage to waiting a little bit 
is um, you get a better barometer of uh, what you're up against with the loss of opportunity to get the exact thing you wanted from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's also the risk that players you want in that time period will go away. Which... Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the lost opportunity is, is the guys who, you know, you thought you needed in the first place. It turns out you really do need are now gone. But, um, yeah, maybe maybe you thought you needed a minor upgrade, and now you you need a major upgrade. I, I am fascinated by the Red Sox continuous last to first uh, leaps that they attempt to do over and over and over again. Well, I don't think they're attempting to do the last parts. <laughs> I think that they just have a habit of when they're not great, they're terrible. I don't know how that works out for a team that's as rich and good as they usually are. I've never I, seen any other, any other team do that. I just like it that it is the the uh, the outlier that is ignored anytime you talk about a team building or you know a five-year plan or anything else. We just never talk about the Red Sox because that would... Uh, cause some serious problems in the concept of <laughs> developing your stars, et cetera, et cetera. But this is not a Red Sox podcast. Um, it's sort of now a New York Yankees podcast because we the Blue Jays hired Don Mattingly, famous Yankee hitter. Um, could could they put him at first base, maybe? I think they have a guy there who's pretty good. Oh, right. Yeah, probably. I, they probably, probably should have picked a bench coach who did not play first base. Um, so Mattingly gets a demotion from his time with the Marlins uh, to sit alongside uh, Mr. Schneider, the rookie manager in a sense. Well, the rookie major league manager. I mean, the man has managed in the minor leagues a whole lot. What did you make of Mattingly coming on as, as his uh, right-hand man? It's hard to properly analyze what a bench coach is going to do because they're not in the spotlight. The, the idea that he's somehow a crutch not a hank of like a crutch but like the 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 manager and waiting for when schneider fails that some national media people in the states were saying no schneider is the manager <laughs> he was brought in to help i think that they've been sort of trying to change some of the the way that players are held accountable for some of the things that that, that was a theme that the players wanted that as well and they didn't like what they got from montoyo that way and that bringing someone else who has the gravitas that Don Mattingly does would probably help in that matter, you know, rather than the rookie manager, as you said. But also, I think he could just help some of their hitters because he was a very good hitter. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a, a certain, I've been there and done that kind of aura to Don Mattingly, even if as a manager, he has not had, um, you know, I, I don't believe he has a World Series ring. Um, nope. But sort of he's been around the league he's been around baseball for a very long time at the major league level he's had success as a player um you know he's recognized by i i think just about anybody who's a baseball fan knows don mattingly that's not been the case with many of the blue jays coaching staff you know at the front lines um and picks i i think the name recognition here probably means that he's well known also for exactly how he goes about coaching uh in the league maybe better than some other guys the interesting thing there is that he sort of brought some of the yankees no facial hair kind of like the and the policies that and the attitudes you think would go with that to the marlins and then it got thrown out a year later because <laughs> he was with the young team that it just didn't fit and as long as he's able to 
understand and adjust to the roster he's got, I think he can be a valuable asset. If he's stuck with some rigid ways of thinking, well, maybe it wouldn't be so good. But I also don't think that they would have hired him if that's the way he was, given the nature of the Blue Jays roster. I, I don't think he would have taken a bench coach job just to take a bench coach job. That's the other thing. Like, I feel like it's not he's not doing this for financial reasons. You know, Don Mattingly certainly had a good paycheck for uh, many long years, and he could make the case that he's, you know, one of the whatever it is, 60 guys who is always available for a manager's position. But he took a bench coach job because that appealed to him for some reason. If it if it didn't feel like a good fit, I think it would have been really weird for him to to take that job and then try and, you know, push his own um, way of doing things over and above what John Schneider wants to do. Yep. Uh, in... Lovely news. We we do like one award per podcast, it seems lately. We did the, the gold glove, then the silver slugger, and now we have the first team MLB. When I was a kid, I don't remember there being a first team MLB anything, but Alec Manoa is on it. I think it's a recent thing. It might have even been from the new CBA in order how to get bonuses to young players. Cool. Which means Alec Manoa is going to get some. He also got Cy Young votes. He finished third in the Cy Young, so he's going to get a nice little increasing his salary well not salary nice bonus thanks to the new cba which record re rewards pre-arbitration players who perform well which he obviously did and it's well deserved they pick five pitchers it was him verlander otani alcantara and framber valdez i think i can't remember who the fifth one was but it was well deserved and i think it's nice to see him being recognized for the incredible performance he had which obviously we talked about how much he came out on the national stage in the all-star game. But I still think pitching in Toronto, he probably gets less recognition from the American fan base than you would expect. Yeah. I, I think that that September on a playoff club in New York or Boston would, would be, you know, uh, something that the U S media would still be talking about in terms of how he turned it on when absolutely his team needed every start to be perfect. And he basically did it for an entire month. Especially when you consider he'd blown past his previous career high in work workload. Yeah. And he, and he did his absolute best down the stretch. So yeah, I mean, it's just good for him. Congratulations to, to Alec Manoa, because it's always nice to see young, exciting players get rewarded like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the opposite end of the spectrum in overdue acknowledgements. Fred McGriff via the, is it Modern Era Committee? Is that what they're calling it now? Yeah. I, I, the Hall of Fame is a mystifying organization always, but Fred McGriff is now officially going to be a Hall of Famer. He will be inducted this June with his 493 uh, career home runs, his crime dog nickname, um, and his really excellent level of talent at a time when um it was difficult to stand out from the pack as a third baseman a first baseman why did i say third baseman as a first baseman <laughs> i don't know it would have been interesting if he was a third baseman he's left-handed but yeah it's we talked about this before that we thought he deserved to be in so it's nice that he finally is and he was sort of the first i don't know Maybe this be after George Bell, but I, I don't know. I, I never thought of George Bell as the slugger that I thought of Fred McGriff, even though Bell had the team home run record for the longest time. But McGriff was just such an imposing bat. 
in the lineup every single year. And then his trade is oddly the, like the turning point for the franchise when they traded him away. Yes. I, I mean, because they were making room for John Olerud in a sense. But, which never made sense because they no. had a DH. But yeah, I, it was really nice though. He came on and he talked about how you know, he, they did a press conference with him after he was announced in the Hall of Fame so he could talk about it. Obviously, he's going to be, give a longer speech at the induction in the summer. But he talked about how when he was traded to the Blue Jays from the Yankees, it was sort of a career energizing move because he was under Don Mattingly, <laughs> right? <laughs> Funny circle. Yep. It, it's just one of those things where it's like he didn't see a real opportunity to playing time. And you know, you, when even if you do have a path that you could play through a DH or something, as a first baseman, you're just not going to get promoted as quickly. So when he moved to the Blue Jays, and I think Upshaw was at first base at that point, and you know, he didn't have yep. – yeah, he wasn't going to be around for too much longer. It really made him believe that, one, he had a path to the majors, and two, a team that saw what he could bring and really wanted him as their guy, and it just helped drive him and push him further. Now, that could be athlete platitudes. Of course it could be, but it was still cool to hear it. Yeah, and I'm sure he will go in in a Braves cap, and I have no no bones about that, but it certainly um... – the value that he built as a player and the, the beginning of his reputation was as a Toronto Blue Jay um, all the way from his you know rookie season up until the season before he was traded. I think he led the team with in average home runs and I'm not sure if he led an RBI or not, which was pretty crazy. Uh, back when 36 home runs comfortably led the league. <laughs> yeah, it's a different era. But yeah, he'll probably go in as a Brave, as you said, but his time in Toronto will absolutely be mentioned on his plaque, and it should be because he was a superstar here. Cool. Um, on that lovely note, we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with your uh, questions. We asked once. You weren't sure. We asked twice, and boy, did you come through. We'll see you in a couple of seconds. And we are back. Wow. Look at that. Look at that mailbag there on the Twitter, Josh. Look at that thing. It's overflowing. I think we were Santa. Yeah. Going into the Miracle on 34th Street, bringing, bringing all the, the letters in. And it sounds like this when we do it. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? The talking mailbag is extremely expensive and proprietary. No, you can't have one. Um, first question. Uh, would like a full breakdown of the Rule 5 draft, if you don't mind, from BK at underscore BKUH underscore. Um, the Blue Jays took no one and received no one. Okay, moving on. Oh, sorry. Did you have anything to add, Josh? <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting with all the, the media stuff. It's like they could lose Adrian Hernandez and... No, they didn't. They didn't lose anybody. No one was taken from the Blue Jays. They were never going to pick anybody. Their roster was already at 39 in the major league phase, that is. Um, in the minor league phase, they lost Logan Warmoth, which is kind of noteworthy just because he was a former first-round pick who just never worked out. And they took a catcher who can't hit from the Dodgers. The minor league phase is really doesn't matter. The guys who get taken in that are never much. But from the non-Blue Jays directly perspective, the, the actual Rule 5 draft was kind of interesting. Ryan Noda 
former Blue Jay prospect, was taken number two overall by the A's. And if there's never, I, there's never been a more A's player than Ryan Noda. <laughs> Why would you say this? Because he's the epitome of what Moneyball was, the original version of Moneyball, where it was all but on base percentage. Obviously, Moneyball was about efficiencies, but he's a high on base guy with a little bit of power who doesn't do anything else. <laughs> but, all right. But it was like the most interesting pitch of all was the Phillies. They took a guy named Noah Song from the Red, Red Sox. The reason that's interesting is because he has never pitched professionally because he is serving in the military. But he's got a high 90s fastball and two breaking balls. And he would have been a high draft pick if he wasn't in the Naval Academy. But because he is, the Phillies can just throw him on the restricted list until his military service is over. The downside is that he gets service time while they're doing that. So if he's serving for another two, three years, he will be eligible for arbitration when he, when he joins the team. Wow. I'm, I'm, yeah, that is quite the rules wrinkle if I've ever heard it. So uh, we're going to put that under fun fact, 100%. And move on to our next question. Snoopy Guerrero Jr. at Stephen Act 4 says, how much should we overpay for Stripling? I, I still don't think Stripling should be the guy. I just, we talked about this in the first part, how they need to raise the floor and the ceiling of the moves that they were going to do before. If you could get 2021 Ross Stripling, well, then shoot, he should get what Taiwan Walker got. But I just don't think that's likely. I don't think anybody thinks that's likely. He had the best season of his career by far and through the most innings of his career by far. And it still was only 130. So I just think they need to get someone who is a bit better. So if he's the last option, then sure, fine. Don't, but don't go over forty million for this guy. But if but if someone else is is on that starting pitcher list, Stripling is okay as your number five. Oh, if they get two, then sure, then whatever it takes to get two guys, I'm fine with it. But I just don't think that's going to happen. See, I knew I knew Josh would eventually come around to sympathizing with my my Stripling love. But I I, I accept the logic of your argument. And just I think I sort of said this in the first part as well. If they get Stripling. And Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto or something like that. And you know, Rogers, the, the, the lefty reliever. Sure, fine. They, they, if they just really improve elsewhere, that's okay. But I just, they can't settle for the lower options across the board. Indeed. Uh, hit me with minor mm -hmm. leaguers first question. Or second question. First question, second comment. <laughs> I don't know which one order that is, but... Mark Shapiro said that the Blue Jays were looking for a jersey patch sponsor over the next two years. What would be the A, best brand partner for the patch, and B, worst brand partner for a patch? Okay, so I'm going to go worst first because there's like, like so many worsts. It's so easy to do. So uh, I thought Deco Labels, which is uh, Doug Ford's uh, company, uh, it would just be horrible. It would just leave a horrible taste in my mouth for so many reasons. And the labels would probably fall off because we know how that worked with the license plates. Um, and then, uh, you know, PokerStars.net. Uh, wouldn't you like to see a PokerStars.net logo right right there on the sleeve there, Josh? Well, it's everywhere else in the stadium. Bet 365 Sports Net Bets. It would just blend in. Okay. Um, I was also thinking about any, literally any, any you know, Bitcoin 
slash uh, cryptocurrency related. We, we've seen how those things go. The sign stays up, but the bit, but the coin doesn't exist anymore. Those are all horrible ideas. Uh, I'm sure one of them will come true. There is a small company outside of my, um, I live in London, outside in, in the rurals, called Blue Jay Irrigation. And I thought to myself, how seamless would that be if Blue Jay Irrigation had a patch on the Blue Jays? And then you wouldn't have any confusion. It wouldn't muddy up the uniform, you know, the whole bit. Uh, I do I do like that. Um, I don't think they'd be big enough. <laughs> hey, hey, the Blue Jays have lots of it. I don't know why they need a brand partner, to be perfectly frank. I think I mean, they seriously. should need some Jose Bautista energy. They should get some booster juice. There you go. Best with with the Bautista, like, um, cut out. Right. To remind everyone. Yeah. And Mark Lessage at his name is Mud commented on this and said Labatt Blue will forever be the greatest sponsor for marketing potential. They were the owners. It's not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, they can. I do not endorse slapping a Rogers patch on there because the synergies are too much for me already. Yeah. Uh, next question. Is now that Fred McGriff is from also from minor leaguer has been elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame, as we previously mentioned, should the Blue Jays retire number 19 for him, Paul Molitor, Jose Bautista, and Cliff Polite? Polite? Polite. One of these things is not like the <laughs> <laughs> He'd have to go in as his Blue Jay in order to get his number retired. But it's kind of funny how some of the very best players the Jays have ever had wore 19. And it's not honored or anything in any way. But I like the Cliff Pulley inclusion in this. That made, that made me laugh. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it feels different. It just hits a little different. I would think it would be interesting to, to retire number 19 uh, for Molitor, Bautista, and McGriff jointly. That would be kind of cool. First, they got to put Bautista on the level of excellence. But that's isn't that like retiring your number? Isn't that the problem? You slap Bautista up there, and then what do you do for former Griff? Also number nineteen. No, they don't put their numbers up there though. Was it wasn't four three oh six? I was gonna say four three oh six is Tom Cheek, so I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. that's up there. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, next uh, question. Biku BK uh, asks, "What has been the biggest gut punch signing so far in free agency for you?" So I know this is Brendan. This is his real name. I know Brendan's is Wilson Contreras signing with the Cardinals, but he is, he has really been trying to make Lars Newbear the Blue Jays happen. <laughs> and that won't happen anymore. It's Yoshida. Uh, it, because he's a guy I live. He's the first one that signed somewhere else that I legitimately wanted the Blue Jays to get. As I said in the, in the opening part, he's one of the best hitters in the history of Japan. And he has incredible plate discipline, not a ton of power, but, Last year, he had a two-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio as a hitter, which does not happen. <laughs> That's, no, that uh, is impossible in the in the MLB game. Right. Now, they don't strike out as often in Japan, so that wouldn't be the case here, but that plate discipline is still unbelievable. He's not a great defensive player, but there's DH, so who cares? And he went to the Red Sox. <laughs> he went that's to a division rival. That so, is the gut punch. Yeah. Yeah. That that's where it hits you. Um, ADGE. Oh, sorry. My my pick is Trey Turner, because so many problems would have been solved with Trey Turner, and I don't care about money. 
and I also don't actually get all that gut punched by free agent signings because I've seen a million guys not go to the Blue Jays in the last uh, 15 years uh, since I've been watching passionately. Um, ADGE at Adrian Christo- Christostim says, who is your preference out of the short-term vet starting pitcher free agent market? Thor, Cueto, Kluber, Waka. I am not sold. They go three plus on anyone except maybe, oh, look, Stripling's back. Uh, also, does Jansen for Lynn make sense? I assume that's Lance Lynn. And Danny Jansen? Yes. <laughs> they do, the Jays don't have another Jansen. Uh, yes, but... I just, uh, there's, okay. Anyway. <laughs> I, I don't think that Jansen for Lynn makes sense just given Lynn's injury issues the last couple of years and he wasn't as great this past year although he is a very solid pitcher so I wouldn't be opposed if something like that happened uh, so I love Johnny Cueto I have an irrational love for Johnny Cueto actually he was great this year but he's just really fun to watch and none of these guys is that good <laughs> so Kluber's probably the best one but Cueto I, I feel like I just would like to see Thor in a Blue Jays uniform as he should have been many moons ago. Not that he'd be any good. That's Noah Syndergaard, in case some people are unaware of his nickname. But yes, yes. Was the former Blue Jay once traded for R.I. Dickey. With Travis Darnold. Anyway, um, that's a trade I don't want to revisit. Um, Colin Clarkson. Hang on. That oh. worked out well for the Blue Jays in the end. Yeah, kind of. Um, Colin Clarkson at Colin Clarkson 3. If the Jays could sign only one of Nimmo or Rodon to a six-year, $150 million contract, which one would you sign? Rodon, for sure. Not even close. How old is Nimmo? 30. 30. I'm, I'm with you on Rodon. I was just curious. Seems, seems harder to get uh, pitching, doesn't it? I also the... think that you could get Nimmo for less than that, and Rodon will, might go for more than that. So, Also true. Uh, Matt Thomas, seeing how the free agent market has played out to this point, it's apparently all we've seen. Uh, do you think that the front office misread the market entering the offseason? Brackets, I don't necessarily. I close brackets. And at this point, with teams with which they are contending with improving, what are your targets to keep pace? Yeah, you, you sort of hinted at that. There have been almost no trades, which was kind of funny given how the super active winter meetings was just all free agency. They don't need to be in the GMs, don't need to be in the same yeah. spot for that. But, um, jeez, the targets, uh, Carlos Rodon, <laughs> <Brandon Nemo? laughs> I mean, really, um, could I Senga and, and Carlos Rodon? I think that the Jays should really try to get one of those guys, but if they can't a trade for someone like Pablo Lopez, you know, cause the Marlins are apparently open for business for everyone except Alcantara. So I think that they need that level of starting pitching. Ross Atkins just appeared on the radio as we were doing this and said, we don't need to get a guy who slots in number three. Yes, you do, Ross. Yes, you do. He's, just, he's, he's playing coy on purpose. I'm sure there's, there's – Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure that he chance. can't say, oh, we absolutely need to play at the top. Otherwise, the agents will say, well, give us another year then. Yep. And they've already done another year a couple of times. Um, team most likely – this is Tortoise Farmer at Farmer Tortoise says – um, a team most likely to match up for a trade with one of the Jays catchers. Oh boy. Um, it really depends on where Christian Vasquez ends up. So there's a bunch of teams that want catchers. The Tigers want a catcher, the Guardians, the Rays, the Twins, the White Sox, the Diamondbacks, 
the Astros, there's a lot of teams looking for catching and the Blue Jays have some of the best ones available. There's Murphy in, in Oakland, who's potentially available. It's not really clear that he's actually available, but he's very, very good. And he's in control for three years. So he's sort of slots into me around the Kirk, Alejandro Kirk value level. But the Jays have the super prospect in Moreno. They have the established young big leaguer in Alejandro Kirk. And they have the more established, closer to free agency, Danny Jansen. So they can play in all kinds of different salary and control levels to try to find a deal, which makes all of those teams likely matches. It makes this very hard to answer. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good hard, not, uh, hard to answer, though, right? Yeah. It's the hard to answer you want. Um, free speech is everything at Jurgen says, will the Jays even come close to the playoffs if Gaussman and Manoa stumble at all? This wait until all the decent players are gone and then overpay for, say, a Joey Gallo going to lead us past the Mariners' rays of the American League. You know, if you're not having fun, I'm just going to say, Jurgen, you don't have to watch this part of the season. You can just show up at the beginning of spring training and see who they have. Because it doesn't yeah, sound like, like you're Joey having Gallo. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Joey Gallo would be it. fun on the bench. But, you know, it's funny. Like, you see a comment like this. It's like, how short are people's memories, really? Very. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's this wait until all the decent players are gone and overpay. When have the Blue Jays jumped the market ever? Um, for some, for for their key guys, they they jumped the market to get. That's a good point. Well, sorry, this front office. Then, well, I guess yeah. you could say it was. Yeah. Uh, Kendry Morales, but they learned from that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a pattern, which has repeated itself, of attempting to strike on an upside cheap contract early. Two years ago, it was Robbie Ray. Last year, they tried to get Andrew Haney and failed. This year, they tried to get Andrew Haney again and failed. <laughs> then they'll um, wait until the guy that they actually want is ready to sign. And that often isn't at the, the winter meetings. And so it's not, there's a lot of good players still out there. So I just, I don't understand this way of thinking. Uh, Luke brackets also on hive and bracket at split letters. Now I'm Luke. You ask a lot of questions. I've, I've, I've talked to you directly. You're a patron. I appreciate everything you do uh, for and with our podcast, but this, this question Without referencing Ryu, Springer, Gaussman, please give me hope that the Jays' offseason won't be a complete disaster because, boy, has it been bad so far. So without referencing the three massively successful good things that this front office has done, without talking about any of those, tell me why everything is bad is the way your question is phrased. <laughs> you know what's funny? You can still do it. Yes. Marcus, Marcus Semyon, <laughs> Robbie Ray. Matt Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> Relax, Luke. Take a deep breath. <laughs> and, and here's the funny thing. The area that people have the most issue with from the Jays typically is the bullpen. And the bullpen's actually pretty good right now. <laughs> they don't really need to do anything. In the one area of people entering this offseason, they need to fix the bullpen. Well, they got it Swanson. And they still have Bass, Pop, Pop. Garcia, Romano, Mesa, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they've got Pearson's probably going to be in it. They've got Zulueta. And they've got guys to be actually really effective relievers. So it actually makes this a lot easier 
the rest of the offseason. They, apparently, they were in on Kenley Jansen. That was reported that they finished in the top three. I don't necessarily buy that. But that's the kind of reliever that it makes sense for them to still get, just a top of the of the bullpen guy or back of the bullpen. The rest of it's pretty good. Yeah, 100%. Believe it or not, we got to the end of the questions. I mean – Wow, that was impressive, guys. We appreciate all of you stepping up, quote, to the plate, unquote, and giving something to chew on. Um, after questions, we obviously have to go for, I, th I think it's going to, is this strong bad here for a do-over? Sure. Uh. All right, what would I do different? <laughs> well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few... Let's call them Stananks. That could be worthy of a do-over. In my in my head, that's what Rob Manfred sounds like when nobody else is around. He's <laughs> <laughs> the type with boxing gloves on too. Yep. I think it has to be the Stananks thing because <laughs> this is the what third or fourth time that MLB has gotten in trouble for messing with the baseballs. Might do it different. <laughs> so this time, someone uh, I don't remember the name of the site, but they they went looking um, at at foul balls, home run balls that were retrieved out of stadiums, as I understand it, a sample of like two hundred baseballs, looking for Goldilocks balls, they call them, which have the right weight profile to be more likely to be hit for a home run. It's just, it, Dr. Meredith Wills was the person who did the, the analysis. There you go. Um, and in 2021, there were a distribution of Goldilocks balls that demonstrated differences between, you know, two groups of balls, and they were randomly distributed, which is crappy, but not nearly as crappy as what they found in 2022. Tell us what they found this year, Josh. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, there's three kinds of baseballs. There's the heavier ones, which are a little more power home run prone than like they're too home run prone. Like they, they, they're just, they're very obviously juiced balls. So they don't use those really anymore as much. There's the lighter dead balls, which were the vast majority of the balls. That was what they said they were changing the ball to. And the numbers bore that out, at least in the early part of the season. And then this Goldilocks ball was like right in the sweet spot for a little bit on the juiced side, but not obviously. They ended up disproportionately in three formats there was the all-star game and home run derby that one makes total sense yeah Sh showing off the game and the home run derby you want the ball to fly postseason and world series games again a little crazy it's a little crazy because you're changing the ball in the most important games of the season but again national showcase and then regular season games that used special commemorative stamp balls again and Yankees regular season games. That was the big one. The the most the vast majority of these balls were found in Yankees regular season games in the back two months of the season when something kind of important was happening in the game. I seem to remember there was some guy chasing a record or something. I don't I don't pay a lot of attention to, you know, non-Blue Jays stuff, but I I recall some sort of home run thing going on. I saw a lot yeah. of Roger Maris Jr. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and he deserves a, a do-over right now. For anyone who doesn't no. understand that, that's the son of Roger Maris, whose home run record was broken, American League record. 
claiming that the real record belongs to the judge now because of steroids. Well, it turns out that the judge's record might be a little tainted, too, because he was getting special baseballs to hit home runs with for two months. You get an asterisk, and you get an asterisk, and you get an asterisk. Yeah, so no, I'm not in favor of actually doing that to anybody, but this is very problematic for baseball. Because, as you hinted at before with the jersey patch question, gambling is a huge part of the way the game promotes itself now. And they are objectively messing with the system, and people are placing wagers on what they think is an even playing field. And if they're betting on Aaron Judge to win the, to break the American League home run record, the people who bet against should be suing Major League Baseball right now. And you also, as I you know, sit here and think about it, you are you are introduced to you know. First, you would say, well, nobody, you know, nobody is any the wiser uh, until after. But what if someone is wiser and is placing those bets? Someone well, that's has, even worse. Yeah. yeah. Someone has enough inside information about what ball goes where, and now we have uh, an, enti an entire integrity of the sport problem with legalized gambling. Just let him hit the home runs on his own. It just, just stop messing with that. I mean, ultimately, the do-over is stop messing around. One baseball, <laughs> same from year to year, and admit that... Initially, I'm pretty sure your manufacturing standards were pretty lax and some changes, I think, happened accidentally and you got a result. And now that you own the baseball making company, um, you've been very quietly toying with what result you get from what, what ball properties and not being forthcoming about it at all. So just stop. One baseball. Well, not much only are they not being forthcoming, one of the players, I think it was Sadler for the Giants, he tried to get some baseballs for Dr. Wills and was threatened by the league. <laughs> they, they not only are they like they doing this, they're actively trying to quash it. Yeah. So I, I enjoy very much when perfectly innocent people attempt to um, cover their tracks <laughs> for, for perfectly legitimate reasons. Right. Yeah. Oh, so the do-over is basically just stop messing with the baseball and just let the game happen naturally, and don't, don't you know, don't disrupt the the competitive integrity of the sport. That's all we ask is a fair playing field. So I will ask you, whilst we think about playing fields and whether they are fair or not, for a final thought. Yeah. So I I mentioned that Shapiro spoke to the the media at the beginning of the at the beginning of the show, and. The interesting thing he said, as we talked about earlier, was that the Blue Jays could pass the competitive balance tax threshold. That it was not, he said it wasn't a limit or not a barrier to their moves. So something warning like that. This made me think of something that was a little interesting. So there's, there's two ways, there's two calculations for payroll. There's your actual cash payroll to your roster, and there's the competitive balance tax payroll. The latter includes all salaries paid to paid to injured players or and it includes benefits to the league to the, the player benefits and 40 man payments and everything there's a lot of calculations that go in there however the jays have a situation where hyunjin ryu's contract is reportedly at least heavily insured 
which means that the money that they actually pay out will be considerably lower than their cash than their player payroll and well lower than their CBT level. So if they actually have a budget that could be, I don't know, 210, 220 million or something, what they could do is extend Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Bo Bichette and have that take them across the luxury tax threshold because it takes the average of your contract without actually changing their cash payroll because the contract would start next season. Everybody got that? Everybody write that down? Yeah, I, I know. That was very long-winded. I'm just going to repeat it now. But it, it might allow them to, to extend Bo or Vlad when before that would have been very hard to do without crossing the luxury tax and fixing the roster. So this way they can do both while not affecting the actual amount of money they're paying out. Right. Um, cool. I'm going to go way down the other end of the board. Pat Tabler uh, announced that he was parting way with parting ways with the Blue Jays after 32 years um, in in around the team and on the team, as it were. Um, always remember you in 92, Pat, as that guy who they put in to pinch hit with the bases loaded. We'll remember you as as one of the voices of the Blue Jays over the past, gosh, it's got to be at least a decade now. Um, I can't say I will actually miss Pat Tabler, but I wish him all the best. Is that diplomatic enough? <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, Nick loves Pat Tabler and Buck together. But yeah, I think the broadcast will be better if he's not on it. Dan Schulman... Uh, Stepping away from ESPN, I assume that means there's going to be a lot more Dan Schulman on um, on Sportsnet, and I love it. Yeah. All right. On that note, uh, you have been Joshua House. I'm at Joshua House. And I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 253. And we will talk at you when something happens or in a couple of weeks. <laughs>